0: Uh, Dave is going to read for us. He's going to be in Matthew chapter 2. That's in the Bible, and uh, it's the first book in the New Testament. Chapter 2, and he's going uh, to start in verse... Well, you can start in verse 1
1: and uh, read through verse 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "'Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews?' We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him.
0: Okay, stop for a second, Dave. So the stage is set. Magi have traveled from the east. They show up in Jerusalem, and they're asking a bunch of questions. Where is the king of the
1: Jews? When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were everjoyed, overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presenting him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country in another route.
0: Thanks, Dave. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, this is where we need you because, Lord, on our own, I don't know uh, how we find you. Um, Where do we go where you are? We need you to move toward us now. And would you use your word to open our eyes, our hearts? Would you move us? Lord, I would even pray that we would not be the same. Uh, not the same as we walked in as we were leaving. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I just love this uh, in the Bible because so many times we come to church and we have this preconceived idea of who God is. And a lot of times our preconceived idea of who God is, is really we're shaping God in our own image or in the image that we think he is, and just when we think we have him controlled and we've got him boxed in and we know exactly what he's going to do, what he's not going to do, how he talks and how he doesn't talk, he goes and does something just like this. And what am I talking about? Out of all the people in the world that God could have sent the Holy Spirit to inspire to come to the manger, the birth of Christ, he chose these guys. Out of everybody. It wasn't like God was limited, like his budget was short and he had to just settle. I mean, he chose, Yay, amen, sister. I love that. The Holy Ghost. <laughs> Got to get out. I mean, think about, I'm seriously, think about this. This is outrageous because do you know where the word magician comes from? Magi. Like, magi. These guys were magicians. These were guys that practiced the dark arts. They were enchanters. They were necromancers. I mean, stop and think about this for a minute, guys. Listen to this. He didn't send evangelicals. He didn't send a bunch of televangelists in suits with their hairs all swooped back. He didn't send politicians or people who could sing really good, although the drummer boy was kind of nice. That's not in the Bible. He sent a bunch of astrologers. These were a bunch of people that, when I say they were dreamers, I'm not talking about that they, they have dreams and they're going to live their lives around their dreams. I mean, they literally dreamed. They would go to sleep and they would dream. And then they would wake up and remember their dreams and go, Oh, everything that I dreamed, that was the other world speaking to me. That's what these people were like they literally believed that the other world comes and speaks to us in our dreams they believed in signs they believed in omens these were some backdated occult worshiping anything other than judaism kind of magi see why why would god do that these magi like we have some history that teaches us about the magi The Magi uh, came from the east, from Babylon or Persia. And even in Persia, a king could not become king unless he was approved and trained by the Magi. This religious order had such power in the Persian Empire that you can't even put kings on the throne without their approval. And here's what's crazy is they so infiltrated the Persian world and they so believed in dreams, like the power of dreams, that we see a record of that in Daniel. Now, you may not uh, have read the book of Daniel. It's a great book. I mean, uh, but the Babylonians with King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem and they took all the smartest, the brightest, all the gifted artists and the craftsmen. They brought them all back to Babylon as slaves. And you can go read the story because Daniel was one of them. His three companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember this story from Sunday school class where they were thrown into the fire and I was like, oh, And it was, oh, yes. And then they came out alive. Short version. All right, you don't know the story? You really need to go read it. But let me tell you what's happened. Daniel's a prisoner to the Persian Empire. And the king of this empire, the Babylonian Empire, had this dream. And he couldn't get any of his magi to interpret the dream. And so one day, Daniel said to the guard, hey, I hear the king had a dream, and I know what it is. What? this guy got superpowers? And so they brought him before the king because they believed in dreams. And he said, let me tell you what your dream was. And the king goes, oh no, snap, that was my dream. Now tell me what it means. And he, got, he interpreted it. And they were so astounded because dreams, dreams, you got me? Dreams had so much authority in their lives. Look what it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, after Daniel, had told him, this is your dream, here's the interpretation, the king, fell before Daniel and paid him honor. And he ordered an offering and incense be presented to him, to Daniel, a slave, a prisoner. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you you were able to reveal this mystery. Then look what the king did. Daniel was a slave. One dream interpreted... Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished him with gifts. And he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. All the wise men. All the magi. Because of a dream. These are the dudes that God wanted at the manger. Seriously? You can imagine. Let's just use our sanctified imagination. They're back in the motherland of Babylon, and one of them has a dream. And then he looks up in the sky, and the dream was about a star, and he sees the star, and he goes, oh, wait, there's an unusual astronomical phenomenon. Say that five times real fast. He goes to his buddies, and they said, we had the dream too. And because of that dream, they pack their bags. They start to pack their bags to travel from Babylon to Jerusalem. That is seven Hundred miles. You ever walk seven hundred (laughs) miles? No, of course not. Can you imagine this? They traveled for months because of a dream. They planned for months for this travel because of a dream. They gathered all the money they had because they were going to need it because of a dream. They traveled seven hundred miles because of a dream. They had to go to their wives and tell them, we're going to be gone for a year because of a dream. Try it. Honey, I'm going to drain the bank accounts, and I'm going to be gone for a year. Where are you going? I'm not real sure. It's kind of starry. I don't know what's going to happen, but I had a dream. In any place, in any world here in Nashville, we would go crazy, 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 crazy. And yet God said, yeah, I want those guys at the manger why Hmm. is it possible just possible that these guys were immensely curious they were spiritually curious they were spiritually hungry and in this very moment at this pivotal point you know the entire old testament is about the coming of jesus everything's about jesus All the way back to Genesis chapter 1, all the way up through the entire Bible, it's all pointing to Jesus. So when Jesus comes, this is the most pivotal moment in Scripture, and God sends magi. Why? Do you think it's possible that God is saying, I love spiritually curious people? I love them. And it seems fitting because think about it when God made us, He made us in His image, He gave us bodies, we all have bodies. I mean there's not anybody here without a body we all got a body we also all have a soul we have emotions we have thoughts we have feelings we we have things that are going on up here but we also have a spirit we've been made in the image of god but what happened when man fell in the garden that part of us that third part of our lives our spirit died and christ was coming back to make it alive and why wouldn't we be curious about this part of our lives? It's a part of who we are. Why wouldn't we be immensely curious about why is there no life there? Kick it. And it just doesn't move. And here's what I think is crazy. The Lord is saying, I love people that are spiritually curious. And if that's true, we're in the best time in history. I'm serious. Like, I just, I'm so excited about where we are in America right now, in this city right now. I think this could not be a better time for the church, even though it appears on the surface that much of the church has not come back to church. Across the nation, not just here. I still think this is so exciting. Let me try to explain. There is a reporter, her name is Tara Burton, and she wrote an article called Spiritual But Not Religious. And what she's doing is she's taking the findings from this Public Religious Research Institute That they did this nationwide survey and research to find out where people are spiritually and one of the questions that are asked in this survey is what do you affiliate with christianity you know judaism are you muslim hindu like you know the typical list of things but the last one in that category is called none of the above the people that have checked that box has changed dramatically over the last 10 years it's changed so dramatically that people that study these kind of things have started calling them the nuns. (laughs) Nuns, none of the above. Get it? Y'all awake this morning? There's coffee in the foyer. All right. Do you know that one in five Americans check that box? This is from Stephen Asman. You may know him from L.A. Times. He talks about this, and he says, Millennial nuns are not abandoning organized religion to become secular Science loving humanist. Rather, they're turning toward more individual forms of spirituality, including yoga, meditation, healing stones, Wiccan spell casting, and astrology. That sounds like a Magi, doesn't it? Jesus loves the Magi. Let's go back to Burton. She writes in her article a couple of examples of millennials that are spiritually curious and it's not taking them here. You want to hear these stories? You all with me this morning? All right, Merry Christmas. (laughs) This is about Ava Scott. She's an actress, and she's a theater maker in New York and doesn't practice any organized religion. But she was raised in both Catholic and Jewish tradition. In fact, her own spiritual life is more eclectic. She studies ancient languages from Aramaic to Arabic. Impressive. She reads tarot cards. She reads ruins and cowrie shells. I know. She believes in a higher power that some people might call God, but believes that such a power transcends individual traditional dogma. That sounds a lot like a magi. Well, then she goes on to talk about Megan Rybar, who works at a yoga studio. Meditation yoga and personal ritualistic acts provide her with a similar feeling of transcendency. She's wary of the term spirituality. Instead, seeing her practices and rituals as a form of self-care. The practice I consider spiritual are the things that I do to care for myself in a deep way, to calm myself when I'm distressed, to create meaning of the experiences of life. That sounds like a magi. Is it possible that you might know somebody that's spiritually curious? It may be impossible not to know somebody who's spiritually curious. In the world that we live, we're not in church all the time. I mean, you may be spiritually curious here. And if you are spiritually curious here and you're not so sure about this advent of Jesus, guess what? God loves you. He's crazy about you. If we only had a star to lead us today, wouldn't that be great? But in fact, maybe we do. In John chapter 8, John says something very fascinating about Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In fact, all throughout the Bible, God is connected with light. In fact, the star is displaying something that was already true about God, is that he is the light of the world, that he has come to light up the world. And if you've gone to church at any time in your life, that's not a new thing for you. That doesn't surprise you. Even if you've not gone to church your whole life, it doesn't surprise you that the church would call God light, right? That the enemy is darkness, God is light. Here's what should blow your mind, though. In Matthew chapter 5, this is Jesus talking. Jesus looks to his disciples, which means he's looking at you, all right? And listen to what he says. You are the light of the world. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, no, no. Jesus, you're the light of the world. And he goes, uh, you're the light of the world. In fact, he says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Not going to put it under a bowl. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Instead, they put it on a stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Seriously. Here's what's crazy, is that when Christ comes and brings life to my spirit that was dead. Jesus says, now that that spirit of you is alive, it is light to the world. You don't do anything to make it light. You don't do anything to keep it light. There's nothing that you can do to maintain the light. All you can do is, look what it says, all you can do with this light is put it under a bowl. That's it. So what do we do with this light? We let it shine. Isn't it incredible that during this Advent season, as we think about the Lord coming back, the way we're to live our lives <clears throat> is to be who we truly are. To discover who we are and be that. <clears throat> and first, In 1 first Peter chapter 3, Peter puts it this way. He says, But in your heart revere Christ as Lord, spiritually alive, alight. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That we are to move into the world as a light, being prepared to engage in conversations with the spiritually curious to give them an answer for the hope that dwells within us. And why wouldn't we be? Because who better understands the spiritually curious than us? I mean, think about it. Who understands doubt better than us? We do. Who understands questions like tons of them better than us? We we do. Who better understands questions that there are no answers for, that demand faith? We we do. Who understands better brokenness, or hurt, or anger, or love, or longings, or pain, or suffering, or failures, or inconsistencies? Us. Because here's what the light of Christ does in our lives. For the first time I can look in the mirror And I cannot just see the good stuff. I can see all the inconsistent stuff. And for the first time in my life, I can be honest. Wow. See, what's crazy is if we're going to follow Jesus and our faith only stays here, we're missing the big story of Jesus. Because Jesus, I mean, this is the second member of the Trinity, God himself. And how did he live out being fully human, which is what he's calling us to be, fully human? How did he live it out? Well, let me tell you how he lived it out. He went to tax collectors. He went to prostitutes. He went to outcasts. He went to lower class. He went to upper class. And he went to a lot of parties. Jesus loved the party. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? And Jesus is calling us during this Advent in light of the fact that Christ is coming back. He's saying to us, go, go. Go live your life of who you truly are in the world that you live in. Go to the parties. Go play softball with people that don't go to church with you. Do carpool. Invite invite them into your home. Hang out with them after work. And when you do that, here's the crazy thing. Love them enough to be curious about their curiosity. Jesus did it all the time. When Jesus was at these parties, he never just let the small talk be. Yeah, you know. Here, the sheep crop is kind of slow this year. I don't know. What did people talk? About that? What is small talk back then? Yeah. Where'd you get that bread? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus would ask piercing questions that demanded people pause about their curiosity. He asked one guy that was sick. He said, "Do you want to get well?" That's an odd question to ask somebody who's dying. But doesn't it take you deeper into the curiosity of who they are? You ask another person, do you know why you're so afraid? Jesus asks another, why are you trying to trap me with your words? Is that not an invitation into the curiosity of others? What do you want me to do for you? See, when we become curious about other people's curiosity, something exciting happens in our lives, church is not only does the light begin to shine, but we start to have fun. I know, you can't say the F word in church, right? But there it is. When I lived in Fort Lauderdale, <clears throat> one of the things I did was I trained people in how to share their faith, and we would have these conferences, and people would come in from all over Fort Lauderdale, or really all over the country. In the first class, we would talk about stuff like this, about being the light of the world, and I would, I would talk for 20, 30 minutes and said, okay, let's go. And they're like, where are we going? We're going to go to the beach. And here's what I want you to do. I'd pair them up and I'd say, I just want you to go and I want you to bump into strangers and I want to say, sorry, can I ask you a question? And uh, they go, okay, what's the question? And I'd say, just go up to a stranger and say, do you have a few minutes? I'd like to ask you a question. Would you mind just giving me a little insight into your spiritual journey? Right, right. And so the people all get their nerve up, and they're like, people are going to kill us. No, they're not going to kill you. Don't worry. And I've never had somebody say to me, uh, I don't have to, I've had people say I don't have time, but I've never had anybody say I don't have a spiritual journey. Everybody has a spiritual journey. Why? Because we were made body, soul, and spirit. And we're not ignorant to that. We all know that, all right? And I just wanted them to go and listen. Why? Because I know they were going to come back with stories to where they would sit in a room And go, we are the light of the world. And we know answers to some of the questions that they're asking. How do we answer them? So my rule was, just listen. You can't say anything. I don't want you sharing them, Jesus. You know, don't don't try to do anything grand. Just listen. Be curious. And at the end say, thank you. That was a gift. And so I had taken two high school girls, and we'd gone down to the beach. And there was a blanket, a big old blanket, with all these college girls sitting around the blanket. And I look at them, I go, there's our target. And the two high school girls are like, help us, Jesus. (laughs) Like, (laughs) they're so scared because, look, these are college girls, all right, right? And they are not college girls. And I wasn't going to do anything. I'm like, go, go, go. And so they go up and they go, "Uh, excuse me, Um, can I ask you guys a question? And like, yeah, Uh, I just wonder if one of you would be willing to tell me your spiritual journey. And one of the girls in the back corner goes, hey, over here. I was like that, over here. Okay. And they're, the rest are like sipping margaritas. And so now I'm on the blanket sipping margaritas. They're fine. I did not. Okay. That's another story. It's next week's illustration. So they come over and says, what what was the question? Would you mind telling me about your spiritual journey? Says, okay, but I got a question for you. And they said, "Okay, what is it? And she said, so before we left to come down here for spring break, I went to the school library and I checked out this book. And she pulled back the blanket. And she goes, I've been trying to read it, and I'm just wondering if either one of you can tell me what this book is about. And it was the Bible. Yeah. And they're looking at me because what was the rule? Don't say anything. Just be curious. (laughs) They're like, "What? what do we do? What do we do? Here's the crazy thing, when we go on adventures, we're not going out to change somebody's life. You don't have the power to do that, I'm sorry. Wouldn't that be great? You don't. You have the opportunity to see your God change people's lives. Because God was working on that girl's life long before we ever showed up. And guess what, heaven isn't, heaven isn't sitting up there going, uh, hope those high school girls can pull this off, otherwise they're doomed, you know? That's not what's going on. Those girls now had an opportunity to partner with Jesus who said, you are the light of the world. Now go shine. Go shine and watch what I'm going to do because what I want to do in her is what I did in you. Okay, I'm almost done. We're about to come to this table. But we got to go back to the story because there's a sad part of the story. Because when King Herod heard... When he heard all this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests, say that with me, who did he call together? Chief priests and teachers of the law. Say it with me, teachers of the law. These were people that went to church. And he asked them where the Messiah was to be born, and they went, oh, yeah, we know. Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem was five miles from Jerusalem. Five miles from Jerusalem. The Magi, their spiritual curiosity brought them 700 miles to come and fall at the feet of Jesus and worship a newborn. But the religious elite couldn't travel five miles. They couldn't be inconvenienced to get on whatever they rode and ride for 30 minutes that way. They refused. And what did they refuse? They refused to worship. And what I'm saying to us, church, as we come to this communion table, we say this often here. This is a, a sacrament that Jesus instituted on the night that he was betrayed. And he said, I want you guys to do this in remembrance of me, and I, I want you to bring your body and that's why we do it here. I want you to be inconvenienced. I want it to be irritating to you to have to wait in line to come here. Why? Because Jesus is saying, come on, come on, participate in this. Join me in this. That's why we, we change the elements from grape juice to wine so that you could taste the bitterness, the bitterness of the death of Christ. And the bread now has been changed to this unbelievably tasty unleavened bread so that you can taste the sweetness of the power of this table. Now, if you come and you don't, you don't drink wine, that's okay. The center circle is grape juice. Uh, feel free to use those. I think the clear ones are wine, and then the, the frosty mugs are grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> but as you come to this table, that, that we come here not just to remember what Christ has done for me, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says we also come here to proclaim it. We proclaim it over our lives, and we also proclaim it out there that we go as a light to be curious about a world right now that has become immensely curious about spirituality. And for us to engage in the conversation is to come here and say, Lord, awaken me from my complacency. Awaken me from the part of me that cannot be inconvenienced by your agenda. And now awaken me to who I really am spiritually and let me join you in that. And we're going to do something this morning that's going to kind of push you in that. These are our prayer cards. Traditionally here at Midtown during communion, we ask you to write a prayer on here and post it out on the prayer walls in the hallway. And when you leave a prayer, take a prayer. Pray for somebody and somebody will take your prayer and pray for you. Here's what I'd like you to pray about is writing the first name of somebody on this card that you know is spiritually curious in your life because you all know somebody. Even if it's you, write it on here. And as you come and take communion, go out the door here and post it on the wall and take one. And here's what will happen is somebody's going to be praying for you as you learn how to be the light and be curious about somebody else's curiosity and be present with them and see what God is going to do while you're praying for somebody else to do that. Would you consider that? Now the Lord tells us that on the night he was betrayed, he took the cup and he took the bread and he said, this is my blood spilt for you for the remission of sins. And this is the bread, my body given for your salvation. When we come to this table we don't come to this table lightly we come to this table with reverence examining our own hearts willing to bring our own brokenness before this table to receive his fullness so the way we do it here at midtown is when the musicians come back in and begin to play when you're ready to worship the lord here you can use the center aisle and the side aisle to come on down Uh, just makes it a little easier Uh, you can exit through the outside lanes or out through the hallway And when you come to this kneeler, when you get here and you're ready to receive and prayer and worship, put your hands out and the servers will be happy to serve you. And here at Midtown, we really believe that nobody should journey alone. And if you need prayer this morning, if you'll just cross your chest, the people that are serving will lean in and pray for you. And if that's a little too intimate for you, there are a couple of people out by the coffee machine that are happy to stop and pray with you in whatever situation or story that's happening in your life right now even if you're spiritually curious this morning. We'd love to hear your questions. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Magi. Thank you that you love the spiritually curious. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you always lead the spiritually curious to yourself. And thank you, Father, that your star is no longer in the sky. It's right here. It's right here in this room in the thousand touch points that are represented even in this room and lord as we come to this table um, lord would you let us come hungry restore under us the joy of our salvation lord refresh us in your forgiveness pour over us your grace and your mercy draw near to us as we draw near to you in christ's name we pray amen